So this morning I would have you turn with me to John chapter 6. We're going to start reading at verse 60. It says, Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples had murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What, and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I say unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him and said, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve and one of you? Is the devil. He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Now, we come this week to John 6, verse 60 through 71. We come to what John MacArthur calls the response to Jesus' sermon on being the bread of life. And surely there are two responses to this sermon. One of the responses that we see is offense and disgust and repulsion at Jesus' words. And the other response is the response of faith. Questions are asked. They're asked and all these questions that are asked by all who hear the truth must come to answer these questions. The response to which reveals the heart of men, whether they are believers or not. Whether they have ears to hear or not. Whether it has been given them of the Father or not. You see, we culminate this whole teaching of Jesus being the bread of life down to these last 11 verses. And they're probably the most important verses because they tell whether or not you believe or you don't believe. They prove whether you are of the sheepfold or you're not of the sheepfold. Amen? Even we see these words in John chapter 3, verse 16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will. We went over this terminology all through this chapter 6 where we saw whosoever will let him come, right? Revelation chapter 22 verse 17 says that. What this ending to this sermon reveals is those who are willing and those who are unwilling, those who it has been given of, of the Father to believe and those who it has not been. We don't have any basis to blame this on God. We only have that these people are culpable for not believing, just like you and I are. See, we have two truths that are being spoken of here, the sovereignty of God and the free exercise of man's free will, volitional choice. Amen? Which are both true, which are both right, which are both taught in Scripture. But this chapter and the end of it reveals some truths here. That these men and women who saw the miracles of Christ Saw him walk on water, some saw him divide the loaves and fishes, some saw him raise a kid from the dead, but they still was a vast amount of people who did not believe. You see, we have this false idea that if we have all these great miracles and we have all these great moves that it will cause people to believe. But they were standing in the front of the word of life. They were standing in front of God in the flesh. They saw the miracles. They saw the signs. They heard the words. Yet they did not believe. So often I hear, oh, we need to get out there. And we do. We do need to be out in the community. Amen. We do need to go and tell. We're, we're told to, right? We're told to go tell. But we have this mistaken idea that if we go out there and tell, then just people will just start coming out of the woodworks. More often than not, we're going to find what Jesus found. Resistance. Unbelief. Wills that were hardened. Hearts that were hardened. Minds that were dead and could not receive the words of life. You see, we think that success is measured by numbers. We think that because X amount of people came, then we're doing it right. But the problem is, Jesus said, wide is the gate. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, many find that road. But straight is the gate. And narrow is the way that leads unto life. Why is that way narrow? Because there's only one door. You see, the broad way has all kinds of doors that you can get on to the broad way. You can get on that broad way by Muhammad. You can get on the broad way by Buddha. You can get on the broad way by any other deity, Christian science. You can get on the broad way by Gnosticism. You can get on the broad way by science or, or, or knowledge or, 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 or schooling. And you can get on that broad way. There's all kinds of doors on the broad way. 
Broadway is always a popular street. But the narrow way, with that narrow gate and that narrow road, is narrow because there's only one way. There's only one door. Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. And if any man come in any other way, he is a thief and a robber. Amen? There's only one way. And it's through Christ. There's only one way and it's through his flesh. Amen? The Bible in Hebrews says that we, have, we can come boldly before the throne of grace because he's opened the veil. He's torn the veil by his flesh and we have been given a new and living way. Amen? To come boldly before the throne of grace because that way has been opened by his flesh. And we get to this sermon on the, on the bread of life where Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And that's where we start. That's exactly where we start. Jesus has just finished saying these things. And we start at verse 60 where it says, Many of his disciples, when they heard this. I told you there was going to be questions asked in this sermon. There's going to be questions asked that we all had to ask ourselves. Before we got on the narrow road. Amen. The first thing they say is. This is a hard saying. Well, yeah it is a hard saying. Because man ultimately wants to glorify himself. Amen. Man wants to take credit. For what happens. In his life. And it doesn't change when they come to Christ. The natural man still wants to do it, wants to work his way there. What makes this hard? Well, I'm, I wrote a list of verses down about what makes this hard. And you can go to chapter 6, verse 27, where Jesus starts this discourse. And he says, labor not for the meat which perisheth. But for that meat which endureth unto eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Verse 42, or excuse me, verse 29, excuse me. Verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Let's keep going. Verse 35. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. And then we get to the hardest parts of these sayings. Where Jesus in verse 53 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat my flesh. Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. 
See, this hard saying is hard because the Jews believed that the Mosaic law was how they were going to get to heaven. They believed, well, if I do this good enough and I do that good enough and I do this other thing good enough, that's going to get me to heaven. But Jesus is telling them unequivocally that this flesh and this blood, unless you drink it, unless you eat it, unless you believe in the atoning work of Christ, unless you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he paid the price for your sins, that there's no way that you can get to God except through Christ. If you don't understand that Jesus' atoning sacrifice was for your sins, you will not get to heaven and you will not have life in you. Because life is only comes through Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14. Jesus, when he was standing at the tomb of Lazarus, talking to Martha, he told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen? We read in John 1, 1, where he was the, the, uh, where the word of God came, and he was, and he was life, and that, or he was light, and that light was the life of all mankind. There is no eternal life outside of accepting the blood of Jesus Christ, accepting the sacrifice that Christ paid for you. You're not going to get to heaven by your own deeds. You're not going to get to heaven by your own goodness. The fact is you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough outside of Christ. You must have the atoning work of Christ. There's no other way. That's why the narrow way is narrow. There's only one way. There's only one door. There's only one shepherd. Jesus said, you don't believe me because you're not of my sheepfold. Why? Because my sheep hear my voice. And another, they will not follow. That's why this was a hard saying. R.C. Sproul says these disciples take offense to Jesus' words and they refuse to listen to Jesus' explanation and they are unwilling to accept that through the blood of Christ's sacrifice is the only way to salvation because salvation is by grace alone. Through Christ alone. There is no other way, there is no other means by which men can be saved. Peter said this when he stood before the Sanhedrin in the book of Acts chapter 4. He said that there is no other name under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. He didn't say there's no other name under heaven and earth where men might be saved. He said there's only one name by which men must be saved. That means that there's only one way to get saved, and it's only one name that saves you. It's not your name. It's not my name. It's not Sister Susie so-and-so's name. It ain't your old pastor's name. It ain't your old, it ain't your old bishop's name. It ain't your old grandmama who loved Jesus' name. You are only saved and going to heaven by the name and the blood of Jesus Christ, the only door, the only way, the only shepherd that can send you and give you eternal life. Amen. This is what he's saying. And this is why this message is so hard for them to hear. Well, there's a lot, there's, there's other thing they ask right here. Because they started in, in verse 60. It says, many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, 
said, this is a hard saying. Now watch what they ask. Who can hear this? Who can hear it? Oh, I'm glad you asked. See, this is the question. The Bible says, he who has ears, let him hear. Do you notice that the book of Revelation is not talking to those who can't hear? The book of Revelation only talks to those who can hear. To only those who are willing. You don't believe me? Turn it to Revelation chapter 22. I'm going to show you. He's not talking to any old everybody. He's talking to only those who hear. Only those who believe. Only those who are willing to come. Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him that is. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him come. Let him take of the waters of life freely. Only those who are willing. Only those who are thirsty. Only those who can hear. That's who he's talking to. He didn't say, all of you people who can't hear me. All of you people who are not thirsty. All of you people who are unwilling to come. He didn't talk to any of them. He only spoke to those who were thirsty, those who hear, and those who are willing. The question then becomes of us, how did this happen? Well, if you were listening to the catechism question, it says that the Holy Spirit has to work on our heart and cause us to repent of our sins. And cause us to look to Christ. We must do this freely. But it must be done by the Spirit of God. Who can hear this? Go with me to John 6. We're still in John 6. We're not even going to leave John 6. For at least 15 verses here. John 6 verse 35. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now I want to stop right there. He that comes and he that believes. Notice that he is not talking to those who will not come and those who will not believe. He's only speaking to those who will come. And who will believe? Let's keep reading. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believed not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but shall raise it up at the last, again at the last day. And this is the will of God, or this is the will of him who sent me, 
that everyone who seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. See, here's the problem. These men see. What did Jesus say to them? He said, you have seen me, yet you have not believed. You see, there's a twofold process here. Must see, and you must believe. How does this happen? What is going on here? Let's go to verse, uh, where does, 44. Just skip down to verse 44, and we're going to start right here. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, oh, this is verse 43, sorry. Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, notice the correlation between this verse and verse 30, uh, uh, what, 39 and 40, where he's talking about the will of God being him, that God sent him so that anybody who has seen the Son and believes in him, he should raise up at the last day, right? So the seeing the Son and believing on him is what is going to make me be ro rose from the dead at the last day, right? This is the raising of the dead at the last day. I'm going to look to the Son and believe. I see him and believe in him. Well, how does this happen? Jesus clarifies in verse 44 that no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father comes to me you see this is the big problem this is the the part of the message that they hated this is the part of the message that they didn't like because they thought that they could earn their way to heaven without him they thought that they could just make their way to heaven because they're jews oh i'm a jew i get to go to heaven because i'm a jew well i get to go to heaven because i keep the law eat wrong Unless you look to the sun and believe, you're not going to heaven. And they, they said, oh, that can't be right. That can't be right. I got the law. I keep the law. The law doesn't save you. Grace saves you. By grace are you saved through faith. It's not it works. Lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. See, the message of the gospel is offensive. Because men naturally want to exalt their self. They want to take credit for getting to heaven. And Jesus is taking away any credit that they could have. Paul does this in Ephesians 2, 9, where he says, This is not of works, lest any man should boast. Why? Because if man could take credit for getting to heaven, he would. He'd say, look what I did. Look how I got here. But we only get there by the grace of God. So here he's clearly jabbing them and this is offensive to them. I want to go to John 10 real quick because we, we also see in John 10 where Jesus speaking to the Pharisees is very crystal clear on who hears him and who doesn't hear him. And I'm going to start 
I believe, at verse 25. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. This verse, and we can read 29 as well. My father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Jesus not only is unequivocally declaring his deity and his oneness with the father he's also saying that he has been given these people and that his sheep hear his voice so when the pharisees in john 6 ask oh well who can hear this this is a hard saying john 6 60 this is a hard saying who can hear it well it's evident who can hear it those who will believe those who see and believe, those who are willing to come, those who are willing to eat his flesh and drink his blood, right? These are the people that can hear this saying. Everybody else is going to be offended by this saying. They're going to be struck down by this saying. They're going to walk away and follow him no more at this saying. These men asked this question in John 6, 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Well, we know unequivocally that only those who hear, only those who come, only those who are willing, only those who are thirsty. Amen? We've, we've already went through Revelation 22, 17, uh, John 6, 35 through 40, John 6, 44 and 45, John 6, 65. We can go there. If you skip down to John 6, 65, he tells them. And he said, therefore, I said unto you that no man cometh un come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. So Jesus is saying this is why I told you that no man can come to me except it's given of them by my Father. Why? Because the flesh doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. Because the carnal man is at odds or an enemy of God and cannot receive the things of God without the help of God. This is a hard saying. Verse 61 when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? Now, first, before we get to his question of doth this offend you, it's John specifically writes that Jesus knew in himself that they had murmured. This is speaking to Jesus' deity, Jesus' all-knowingness. Jesus knows the hearts of all men. Remember that? John, uh, what, 2, verse 24. Turn to John 2, 
verse 24. Jesus says this, or John says this about Jesus, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that anyone should testify of man for he knew what was in a man. Amen? Jesus knew the hearts of all these people. And he makes this point even clearer in a few more verses. So let's deal with this question now. Doth this offend you? You see, because this question does offend religiously elite people who think that they can earn their way to God. This question certainly offends people who think that Jesus, uh, who only hear Jesus asking if they can literally eat his flesh and literally drink his blood remember how we talked about they were misunderstanding him they they thought that he was trying to tell them that they literally had to eat his flesh and drink his blood which is grotesque which we looked back in the old testament is absolutely unthinkable to to drink blood or to eat blood with the flesh in it so obviously they were misunderstanding jesus is talking about spiritual things and they're thinking about natural things. He's speaking of heavenly things, and they're speaking of earthly things. So when Jesus says, he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood can have life in him, what he's saying is, he that believes in me. He that sees me and believes. He that is hungry and thirsty and comes after me. He that comes to me, I will not cast out. Why? Because that person has ate and drank of my blood and my flesh. How do we do that? By faith. If you don't know who, I want to tell you this. There were two men that we know of in history that were John the Apostle's disciples. We're talking about John who wrote the book of Revelation, the last apostle to be alive. There was Polycarp, who we know for a fact was John's apostle, and Tertullian, who heard John preach. Tertullian says this, Tertullian lived 40 years after John the Apostle died. 40 years. We ought to devour him with our ears. He said we ought to devour him with our ears. To ruminate on him with our mind and digest him by faith. And this is surely the spiritual implication that Jesus makes when he says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood, which is verse what uh, 54, right? John 6, 54. Yep. I will raise him up. So when he says, he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood, what he's saying is he who believes, he who receives, he who sees me and believes, he who comes, him who's thirsty, him who's willing, that person, that person that eats my flesh and drinks my blood. But this only happens 
Because God moves upon the hearts of men. Verse 63. What if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Now this verse is also dealing with his ascension and glory. But it is also dealing with John 3 where he says, just as Moses lifted up the staff or the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Amen. So this is the whole work of salvation, our atonement, right? The, the, the ministry of Christ to his crucifixion, to his resurrection, to his ascension. He's saying, what if you see me go up to where I was before? Which also speaks to Jesus being pre-existent. Amen. Which speaks again of his deity. This Jesus is the same that we talked about in John 1.1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. We know Jesus is the word that John is talking about. So here he's saying again, what if you shall see the son of man ascend up to where he was before? Now watch this. I want you to get this because this is a very important step in this process of him telling them what he's about to tell them. He says the spirit, it is the spirit, verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth. Now that word quickeneth means to come, to make alive, to bring to life. The spirit brings life. Okay. The spirit brings eternal life right he's the one that applies that to us the spirit it is the spirit that quickeneth now watch this the flesh profits nothing the words that i speak unto you they are spirit and they are life now watch this he brings condemnation not in a bad way, but he tells them unequivocally, but you are, but there are some of you that do not believe. Now watch this. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, who should betray him. Brothers and sisters, we don't know the hearts of men and women. We don't know who does believe and who doesn't believe. But Jesus Christ is not like us. He is God. He is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He knows the heart of all men. And he's not wondering, well, I wonder if sister so-and-so will ever call my name. Or I wonder if brother so-and-so will ever call my name. He's not looking at these situations like we do. We look and we go, man, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they'll ever come to faith in Christ. But guess what? Jesus knows all of his sheep. He knows everyone who will ever believe. There's not ever going to be a point in human history where Jesus says, oh, I never saw them believing. I, I just didn't see that one coming. Jesus won't say that because he knows who believes and who doesn't believe. He knows the hearts of all men. 
Jesus will never look and go, man, I really, I really thought that one was going to come. But they didn't. That kind of thought is our thought. Because we don't know. But God does know. And it says that Jesus knew from the beginning who did not believe. And who was going to betray him. He knew. He didn't just know about Judas. Do you get that? It says he knew all. Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. And who would betray him. There's a twofold knowing there. Jesus knew about Judas, yet he still called him to be an apostle. Jesus knew that these men didn't believe, yet he still preached this sermon. I'm the bread of life. And if any man come unto me and eat my flesh and drink my blood, if he will come and believe on me, he'll have everlasting life. He still preached it. And in this way, the gospel was preached to all of them, yet only those who were willing, only those who would come, only those who the Spirit ministered that to were actually saved, actually believed. Because here in just a few verses, it says that those who didn't believe stopped following him. Betrayed him, left him, abandoned him. Amen? So when you hear somebody preaching about the perseverance of the saints, what they're saying is only those who endure to the end, the same, shall be saved. See, the fruit of genuine eternal life is the people that are still there at the end of the race. The race of eternal life isn't just all the people that say, all right, I'm going to run the race. The proof that they're actually born again is that they finish the race. Starting the race doesn't mean anything if it's not a genuine born again, God-breathed experience. And that when we get to the end of our race, if we're still in the race, then it's proven that we have persevered to the end. But if the race is over and our eyes close in death and we have abandoned him and run off and been offended by his teaching. That's why I asked him, doth this offend you? Because this message will convict the believer. It will convict those who are willing. It will make them go, oh my God, my sin is so great. Please save me. But to those who don't receive the message of the cross, they look at it and they say, oh, this is a hard saying. I'm a good person. I do good deeds. I'm I'm all right. I'm a pretty good old boy. But guess what? Being a pretty good old boy don't get you to heaven. Believing in Jesus Christ gets you to heaven. Being a good old boy doesn't get you to heaven. Verse 64. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning 
who they were that believed not and should betray him. Now watch this. Jesus has just told them in verse 62. What if you see the Son of Man ascend up to where he was before? And he, he tells them unequivocally, your religious practices of earthly, fleshly things doesn't profit you anything. It's the spirit that quickens. It's the, it's the spirit that brings life. And my words, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. But some of you don't believe. And then we get another therefore in verse 65. And he said, therefore. Anytime we see a therefore, we have to go back and look what it's there for, right? So in verse 65, he says, therefore. Or in other words, in, in modern English, that's why I told you this. He said, that's why I told you. That's why I said unto you. Therefore said I unto you that no man can come to me except it were given unto him of my father. Do you see that born again experience is not just based on earthly men making confessions? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, many in that day will say unto me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not do many wonderful works in your name? And he said, I will look at them in that day and say, uh, depart from me, you who work iniquity. I never knew you. You see, men confess Christ for all kinds of reasons. And we saw that at the beginning of this message, these men were coming because they had been on the other side of the Sea of Galilee where he divided the loaves and the fishes and they ate their fill. And Jesus tells them as much. You're not coming to me because you want eternal life. You're coming to me because you ate your fill of the bread and the fish. When we come to Christ, there's only one way to come to Christ. And it's not our way. It's not what we think God wants. It's not what we think we ought to do. It's what scripture alone tells us to do. Repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. You hear, you believe. But that believing will change your life. That believing will bear fruit unto eternal life. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. That's the gospel. That's the work of this born-again experience. Verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back. And walked with him no more. Or walked no more with him, excuse me. And then said Jesus unto the twelve, Wilt ye also go away? Our answer, and the answer of every believing Christian is this. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
Thou hast the words of eternal life. And this is the crux. This is those who believe. These are the people who believe that look to Jesus and say, I have no other recourse. I have no other hope. I have no other way to be saved. There's no one else I can turn to because there's only one way. Right? There's only one shepherd. There's only one door. Can I get an amen? amen? Since there's only one shepherd and only one door and only one way, we must assume like Peter says, whom shall I go to? There's none in heaven besides thee. There's no other door. There's no other name. Can we get an amen on that? That's why Peter says this. He said, to whom shall we go? No one else has the words of eternal life. Only Christ. Only Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus is the only way. And Peter here declaring that he is the only one that has eternal life. Notice what else he says. And this is a mirror of, of uh, verse 67 is a mirror of Mark or uh, Matthew 16, 16, Mark 8, 29, Luke 9, 20, verse 69 of chapter 6. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see in Mark or in Matthew 16, 16, Jesus has sent the, sent the disciples out to minister, right? And, and they came back rejoicing because devils were subject to them. Demons were subject to them. And, and he said, don't rejoice because demons are subject to you. Rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He said, he said who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elias, and some say you're one of the other prophets. And then he asked the question, but who do you say I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says something remarkable in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Turn with me there so I can show you. You see, because we somehow we think that Peter just naturally comes to this conclusion on his own. We think that Peter somehow just, he was smarter than everybody else. He, he just knew more about the Bible than everybody else. And we know that's not true because he was an unlearned man, right? So, so we got to get past this idea that Peter just comes to this conclusion on his own. Because he doesn't. Peter does not come to this conclusion on his own. We're going to be in 16, and I'm going to read verse 16 again. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. 
If this is not an echo of John 6:44 and John 6:65, I don't know what is. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal this truth to you, Peter, but my Father, which is in heaven, revealed this to you. That's Matthew 16, 17. And it's very, very, very compelling when you read Matthew 16, 17. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And then you read John 6, 44. No man can come to me except the Father, which has sent me, draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. John 6, 65. And Jesus said, therefore I said unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him by my Father. Peter said... When Jesus was asking, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. You see, Peter's understanding of Jesus being the Christ, his understanding of Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life was not just based on what he saw and heard, but was based on what the Father revealed to Peter. The question of this chapter of John 6, 60, verse 60 through 71 the question of this chapter is not, oh, am I one of those who believe? Oh, am I one of those who don't believe? Oh, am I lost? Am I not lost? The question is, do you believe? And all those who believe will have eternal life. All those who come will have eternal life. All those who are willing, all those who are thirsty, all those who will eat the bread and drink the cup, they will be raised up at the last day. We complicate this with all these other things. But the question of chapter 6, the whole question unequivocally is, do you believe this? Do you look to the Son? Do you believe in Him? Do you put your faith in Him? Do you trust Him? Do you believe in Him? That's the question. The question isn't, oh, am I, not, am I one of those who don't believe? That's not the question. The question is, do you believe? Do you hear? Amen? Let's stop getting lost in the weeds and understand that the message of the gospel isn't, oh, some of you ain't going to believe. The message is, do you believe? And every one of us must ask ourselves this question. Every one of us must answer that same question, to whom will I go? To whom will we go, Lord, if not to thee? Amen? This reveals the heart of those who believe and those who don't believe. But the question and the gospel is still open. Whoever will, let him come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever will come, let him come. There's a great mystery, and Paul talks about this in the New Testament, that this salvation is a mystery. Why? Because to us it's a mystery because to us we see some people 
giving their life to Christ and coming to Christ and drinking and they look willing and then we talk to other people that are completely unwilling, that, that reject God, that hate God, that don't want anything to do with God. And we go, well, what's that all about? And I weep for them and I pray for them that they would come to Christ. But can I tell you that Jesus said, The broad is the gate. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that find it. If we have this fanciful idea that we're just going to win everybody to the Lord, then we're never going to feel like we are doing good enough. But if we understand that only those who believe, only those who are willing, only those who are thirsty, only those who are really seeking will find. And we're going to preach the gospel to everybody and pray that God would lead some of them people to eternal life. Amen. Pray for those who don't believe. Pray earnestly for lost people that they would believe. Because here's the real thing. You don't know their heart. I don't know their heart. God does. God can change their heart. How do I know that? Ezekiel 36, 36. And I will take out of them the heart of stone. And I will put in them a heart of flesh. And I will cause them to walk in my ways. To obey my statutes. God can do that for anybody. Jesus didn't even leave these people out. He preached the gospel to them. Even knowing they didn't believe. Amen. We need to preach the gospel. We need to preach it like Jesus preached it. We don't, we don't need to hold back. We need to do it in love. Jesus loved them enough to tell them. And then loved them enough to keep telling them. And then loved them enough to keep telling them again and again. Even from the cross. Even from the cross. While he was being crucified for your sins, for my sins, our Savior looked from the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, lost people don't understand they're lost. Dead, lost people don't understand that they're enemies of God. They don't see it. They think they're fine. They don't think there's any problem with them. So we must pray that God would get a hold of their heart. So that they could see their self and their great need for Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your power. Thank you, God, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to all them that believe. Lord, we thank you for telling us that in Romans chapter 1, verse 12, that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to all them that believe. Lord, we know that the gospel is the life and the words of Jesus Christ. His words are spirit and they are life. And those words still cry out to every person, everywhere, all men everywhere. It is crying out to them, turn to me, come to me. Bring, bring your burdens and lay them down. Take my yoke. Come unto me. 
This is the cry of the gospel. This is the cry of Jesus' words, even to these lost and dying people that stood right in front of him who did not believe. His words were still, let him who is thirsty come. Let him who hears come. Let him who's willing come. Lord, I pray today that this message would strike the very heart of those who listen, those who watch, that they would hear the gospel and they would believe, that they would come to faith in Christ, that they would turn their life to Christ, that they would be made new creatures, born again, saved, redeemed, elect. Lord, we trust you to do even as your word says you will do. And we know that it will be done. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I pray that you bless the food that we're about to receive and the fellowship we are going to have as well. In Jesus' name.